Okay, um, I'm Marina, recovering bulimic and compulsive eater. <laughs> Hi, thank you so much for asking me to share. And um, good to be here. I have not been at this meeting in um, quite a while. Um, I, would, I attended at the log cabin a few times, but this was never my home meeting, so it's good to be here. Um, okay, so I'm a bulimic and a compulsive eater. Uh, I'm incredibly grateful to be in this program. And um, let's see. I'll start with what it was like, what, what it was like, what happened, and what it's like today. Um, okay, so what it was like. Um, oh, I should also say I've been here for 20 years. I've been in program for 20 years, and I've been abstinent for 20 years, um, as of January 17th. Um, okay, I'm a very nervous speaker, by the way. <laughs> it doesn't matter if it's a three-minute pitch or my full share. I'm always a little nervous to get started. Even in the, in the safest place in the world to me is the, these rooms. Um, I still get a little nervous. Um, okay, so what it was like. Um, food was always my friend. You know, always. As far back as I can remember as a kid, um, it was always fun with friends to raid the cabinet. Um, spending the night, you know, I mean, really, from, from a very young age, like raiding the cabinet, when spending the night with people. Um, food was always sort of interesting. Um, and today I have to say I'm really grateful for it. It took the edge off. Um, it always took the edge off, and I needed the edge to be taken off. It probably saved my butt. Um, I'll try not to swear because I'm being recorded. It saved my butt <laughs> um, when I needed it. Um, so... So yeah, food was interesting. I was always a really good girl, but I was always a very scared little kid. Um, I grew up in a house that I perceived as chaotic. Maybe other people didn't, but it felt chaotic to me. Um, it doesn't really matter. I don't even really need to go into the details, but it just felt like mass chaos, and I retreated to my room, um, and I kept life very small. I learned from a very young age to keep it small and safe um, and as quiet as I could. Um, that looked like my not interacting with my family members. It looked like, and this is just a symptom of my disease, like not interacting with family members, never establishing community and friendships because I never wanted to have anyone over to my house to get to know me, um, to get to know my family, God forbid. Um, so I grew up just very separate and that that created an, um, an environment in my life where I didn't, I didn't get to grow as a person. I, I never really developed as someone who, um, just like I wasn't involved in school. I wasn't involved with friends. Um, I, I didn't develop interests and pursue things. I just, again, I just kept it really small and safe, and that was manageable to me. And for whatever reason, that, that's, just, that's how it was. Um, that's all I was able to deal with. Um, okay, so let's skip to high school. Um, in high school, you get a lot of props for being cute and small enough. And um, I recognized that early. And um, I just, like I said, I was a good girl. And I learned that by creating a body type, getting good grades, staying thin enough, Saying whatever I thought you wanted me to say, liking whatever color I thought you wanted me to like, having opinions in the way that you wanted me to have opinions, um, 
that was safe. That's what I could deal with. I just, again, I just didn't develop as a human, as a human being. It's funny, I feel like I'm still developing as a human being 20 years in the program. Um, okay, so I, so I got, in high school, I just learned this thing about um, keeping it small and keeping, um, keeping my body small, and there were, got props for that. And um, I'm gonna, I'll tell you how I learned how to be bulimic. Food was always interesting to me. I knew that it wasn't okay to gain weight. So I, um, I remember reading in some horrible teen magazine, I don't remember which one it was, about a, a, a bulimic. A woman, a young woman who learned to eat and get rid of it. And I swear I thought, what a great idea. What a great idea. Um, I tried anorexia, failed. Um, I would, you know, I mean, I would, I, would, I would go for stretches of not eating, and then my parents would threaten me with, um, you know, you can't, we won't let you go out, we won't let you do X, Y, and Z if you don't um, start eating. So, not that I went out, so I don't even know why I cared what the restrictions were. But anyway, um, I was afraid of them. So, um, I remember reading this article about bulimia, and I thought, what a great idea. So, I played hooky from school one day and practiced eating and getting rid of it and practiced eating and getting rid of it and figured out which foods would work for me. I'm, I'm not, brilliant. So um, I did it. I became very good at being bulimic um, all through high school. So that started, I guess, at about age 14. I went to college, and that just exploded. Um, I was away from the house. Um, again, kept life really small. But on the surface, you wouldn't know it. I guess I should say that. On the surface, you'd never know. Um, I was just kind of like the shy kid. I kept it together just enough. I got good enough, good, just good enough grades. Um, keep an eye on the time. I don't want to talk too much about what it was like. So, so life was really small. Um, what happened was, I, let's see, I moved to Los Angeles when I was 24. Um, I became a personal trainer, which was a great idea for someone with bulimia. Um, I was in the mirror all the time. I was, you know. I guess I don't need to really explain that. Um, uh, and it's it just everything. So I'm from suburban Atlanta. And um, everything that I knew, not that I was a comfortable human being in suburban Atlanta, but everything I knew was stripped from me when I moved here. L.A. is a great place to hit bottom. It was, it, I was terrified. And I just, like, I just felt like, like this, you know, walking through life, just like just barely holding on and keeping it together. And I was just so afraid of everything in this city. Totally my choice to come here, by the way. Um, so I hit bottom pretty quickly. I should back up just a little bit. After I graduated from college, I thought it might be a good idea to stop this thing, this bulimia thing. Not because I felt um, really ready, willing, or able to take direction. I just thought it might be a good idea. I'm finishing college. Maybe this is another thing to finish. So I checked myself into an, um, an inpatient eating disorders unit that was not 12-step based. I checked myself out three weeks later because I didn't like what anybody had to say. Checked myself into an outpatient eating disorders unit that was based on the 12 steps. And um, it would take me to various meetings, AA meetings, OA meetings. And I remember just sitting, nodding, smiling, thinking, how nice for you. Just, um, you know, thinking these are just women who are bitching about their husbands and their kids. Like, that was my filter. That's all I could hear. Um, so skip two, I came here and hit bottom really quickly, like within months. Um, meaning I couldn't stop um, compulsively exercising, I mean, hours and hours a day. Um, couldn't get my head out of the toilet. Um, and I'm just, I'm just saying this. Um, I, 
I was never much of a binger. I'm just saying this because I never heard, I didn't hear this in the beginning when I first started here. So I wasn't much of a binger. I was sort of a picker and grazer and just got rid of everything. And I was just doing that all day long, picking, grazing, getting rid of it, picking, grazing, getting rid of it in some form or other. I had a client who was quite candid with her history of eating disorder um, in our initial consultation. And um, she mentioned it to me and I just, my ears, yeah, I turned on my ear. So yeah, what'd you do? She said, I went to LA. I'm like, oh, that's nice. You know, smile. I'm thinking, how nice for you, just like I thought in those meetings. Um, about a couple of weeks later, I hit bottom. And my bottom looked like... I couldn't stand myself in that habit. I couldn't stand the relationship I had with food. And I had an inkling, although I wasn't sure, but I had this inkling that... Something about the way I dealt with food affected this very small life I had. And I was in my, I was 25 at the time. And my life was so small. And I remember walking around this crazy city, seeing all these beautiful people having lives. I mean, this is just my story that I was writing about them. But they were having lives. They were going out to dinner. They were hanging out with friends. And I was just walking around like this, you know, just scared. And just keeping it together. Gritting my teeth, clenching my fists. And I knew my life was small, and I thought, maybe this thing that I do has something to do with this. And um, I felt pretty desperate pretty quickly. I'm really grateful for that. I remember calling this client. I'm like, I know this is really unprofessional. And I just lost it on the phone and said, why, OA? What did it do for you? She was lovely, and she gave me all the time in the world that night and told me why OA helped her. And I felt willing. I felt willing to give it another shot and to maybe lose my filter of um, just what I thought it was about. And um, I think I committed that week to going to the A-B meeting at the blue door, behind the blue door up in West Hollywood somewhere, which is not there any longer. And um, I was really fortunate in that I showed up at that meeting and I was struck abstinent. And what abstinence to me means today is, um, it, it was then and it still is today, um, no throwing up. That's all. I, that's the best I can do, and it works for me. Um, I've got a lot of guidelines, and I'll go over that in a second. But um, that part of me was so out of control. That was my. That was the way I defined abstinence initially, and it stuck. And I think it was just because I was, I was willing. I was willing to be uncomfortable. I mean, God, I was already uncomfortable. It wasn't working anymore. I was at a bottom. I went to this meeting, and um, I saw you guys. I did. I saw all of you, and I saw that some that you were able to walk through what I'd been terrified to walk through, keeping my food down, stopping exercising. I mean, and then it got, it, it became larger than that. It wasn't just about food and exercise. It's more about life. But just seeing that you were willing to take the steps that I'd been afraid to take and that you survived it. And not only did you survive it, but you were thriving. Um, so I was struck abstinent, and again, my abstinence, no, no vomiting no matter what. But I've got these guidelines. I don't diet. It's a really good idea if I don't take anything speedy that makes me lose my appetite. Um, it's a good idea if I don't compulsively exercise. Laxatives are a really good idea if I avoid those. There's just a, a slew of guidelines that I have. It's a really good idea if I eat three meals a day. If I don't, that's okay, which is like a good idea if I have something and call it a meal three times a day. Um... So just around abstinence, that's, that's what it looks like. I can eat anything. For me, anytime I say I'm eliminating this or this because you guys are eliminating it, if there's a backlash for me instantly. Um, 
I don't even need to go into the backlash. I just I see some nodding. So there's, you know, what the backlash looks like. So for me, it works to just allow everything. Um, if something is feeling tricky, I can check in with you guys about that. Okay, so abs- Okay, so that's what, what it was like. I got here. I got struck abstinent. I got a sponsor later. <laughs> I, sat, I sat in the rooms listening to you for about a year and didn't work the steps, and I don't recommend that um, because I wasn't eating and I wasn't compulsively exercising. And I wasn't getting rid of it, and I wasn't working the steps. So nothing was really changing on my inside. Um, and about a year into it, it was just another bottom. I was like wanting to rip my skin off. I was so uncomfortable. And it just occurred to me, oh yeah, work the steps. So I found somebody who scared me. God, she scared me. She came from an AA background, big book thumper. Um, I needed, I don't know, I just need, I needed a scary lady at that time. Um, and she started taking me through the steps, um, passed me on to a sponsee at some point because she was too full. But um, the way we did the step work, um, the big book way, it just gave me sort of a foundation. That I've worked the steps many times since then, but there was something about that foundation that um, I've been able to carry with me through all these years. So um, the steps have provided me with an opportunity to... Um, look at myself, clear out the muck, you know, just all this stuff inside that made me do the crazy with food. Um, gave me a really, provided an opportunity to establish a relationship with a higher power. And I'll talk a little bit about that as well. Um, my first spiritual experience, <laughs> I, never, I didn't have any of the like lightning rods, skies parting, um, falling to my knees, hearing voices, sort of spiritual experience. My first spiritual experience was washing the, the dishes. I'll never forget it. <laughs> I was washing the dishes um, in my apartment, and I could look across the out my window, um, out the kitchen sink, brick wall <laughs> on the other side. Nothing really that interesting. But I remember washing the dishes, and I looked up at that wall and thought, "Oh my God, I don't hate myself in my life anymore." Like I just, oh, I don't know why that still oh, makes me a little emotional. But um, like I don't hate myself in my life. That means I have a connection to a higher power. Because left to my own devices, I'm nothing, and I have this tiny little life doing the crazy with food. And, you know, no friends and no community. Um, but my life started to grow. I started to blossom. Started. Um, so that was the first of many little experiences like that. That's what, that's, when I have those moments, that's when I know I'm connected to God. Um, at the time, at that time that I was working the steps, these rooms were enough for me to, um, to seek a higher power. I got enough from here. I realized, um, I realized uh, about five years ago, there was a void again. I didn't have a connection. I was paying a lot of lip service to a higher power. I was envious of my sponsees who had a stronger connection than I did. I wanted what I heard all of you talking about in these rooms. And I also hadn't been working with a sponsor again for a couple of years. And there was another scary woman <laughs> I found in a meeting who had about the same amount of time as I did. And um, she had this rock solid um, faith and practice too. She had a practice. And I was so drawn to that um, and scared of it, but so drawn to that. And I really wanted what she had spiritually. Um, my abstinence had been pretty consistent. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, this is more of a spiritual uh, evolution for me than, a, than one with food. So, um, anyway, uh, so I, I, I saw this woman in the meeting, asked her if she'd sponsor me, and then we started working the steps. I've worked the steps around food, body, weight, exercise. I've worked the steps around work, people, places, things. But I started working the steps around my faithlessness again. I uh, started working the steps again around my faithlessness. Because um, I just realized I, was, I, I just didn't have it. I wanted something. Um, you know, in, in, the, in the literature, it says, you know, we need a higher power. I'm paraphrasing, of course. We need a higher power. May you find him now. Um, it doesn't tell you where to find him her or it it doesn't tell you how it just says may you find him now so she instructed me to seek um you got to seek you got to look outside of the rooms you've got to look outside of yourself so i worked the steps around my powerlessness over my faithlessness and how that was making my life unmanageable or my lack of faith i wasn't faithlessness sounds so dire but um you know i didn't have the faith that i wanted so i so i started seeking um I've got a practice that I do, and it doesn't matter because it's outside stuff. In fact, God is really an outside um, issue. You know, for me to describe what I think of a higher power, it's, it's an outside issue. So I won't, don't really need to go into that other than in the big book it says, you know, God is everything or God is nothing. And I choose to believe today that God is everything. Um, higher power is everything, meaning my higher power, uh, I'm part of a higher power, um, and my best and my worst. Um, it just that, that helps me. That idea, God is everything, helps me function in this world um, a lot better. Okay, there are a couple of things I wanted to say. Just some nuggets that um, helped me get through early days and still today. Um, when I got into program, I forfeited my right to manipulate my body in any way. My very first scary sponsor said that to me. When I get into program, I forfeited the right to manipulate my body in any way. That means if I have any opinion about my body, if you have any opinion about my body, I cannot do anything about it. When I try to do something about it, that's my will, and it so quickly flips that switch that um, it sends me down, you know, sends me on the crazy train. And um, I can still go there. My eating disorder is a tendency that I still have, and I come here to manage it. Um, in the literature, it also says, remember we deal with food, cunning, baffling, and powerful. My sponsor um, also said this to me. The most important word in that sentence is remember, because we forget. I need to be reminded all the time. I need to be reminded on a weekly basis. I may not go to as many meetings as I used to go to when I first got in, but I still go to meetings on a weekly basis. I need to be reminded. Um, I forget. I forget there's a higher power. I forget that there's something bigger than me that can help me through life. And if I don't maintain the, my crazy with food, then my life shrivels up again. It's very small, um, and I become very unhappy. Um, back to... Uh, Oh, I lost my train of thought. Remember we deal with food? Gosh, I for totally forgot what I was going to say. Um, but it was really good, I'm sure. <laughs> uh, I guess what I, uh, you know, what, what I want to say is this program has given me a life. Um, it's given me tools. I feel like when I walked into the rooms, 
of just a, a toolkit was placed before me and I have a choice to use those tools or not. I can either choose those tools or my kind of like the rusty, messed up toolkit that I came into the world with. Um, it's given me tools to deal with life. My life is larger and getting larger slowly. Um, I work program at a snail's pace. I'm 20 years in and there's still a long way to go. I do know that. I still face fears. I still have this tendency. Um, I'm someone that wants to take the edge off. Life is scary to me and I want to take the edge off. I can use food to take the edge off. I can use anything to take the edge off. I've actually, this program has led me to others and no matter what, I still need to come back to this one. This is kind of, this is my core. Um, it's not sexy, but it's my core. And then I get, I get so much relief and recovery here. Um, oh gosh, what else did I want to say? Okay, this, I'll, 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 end, I'll end on this. Um, I was talking to two fellows right before the meeting, and um, there's this nugget, another nugget, that someone offered me when I walked in here, um, walked in these rooms. I could never do affirmations. You know, they just make me... I want to punch someone in the eye when they tell me to do affirmations. Um, I'm not willing to do them. But what I can do when I've got the nasty voice, because part of my disease is just that nasty voice, like, you are not good enough as you are. You're not good enough as you are. You need to get better. Um, is to just ask it, what if that's not true? And that's it. It's gentle. It's not, your thinking is crazy. It's just like, what if that's not true? So if that's not true, then I have to look at, well, what is true? Or what might be true? And then there's some personal responsibility, too. If that's not true, if I really am okay as I am, that means that I have to kind of show up for my life and do what's set before me today. And then what? You know, just like constantly asking, what if that's not true? Um, <clears throat> you know, I, think I'm, I don't know, that, just, that, that thing, for what it's worth, I don't, know if, I don't know if that's helping, if that will help anybody, but I just remember latching onto that. Something I have to ask myself almost every day. What if that's not true? That crazy thought. So I'm um, sorry. I'm not sure which clock to go by my watch or that one. Um, let's see. Um, I guess I just want to finish with this program has given me a life. Again, there was this nothing life that I had over here. So small. And again, it was the best I could do. And I'm not blaming anybody. I don't even blame myself. I don't blame myself. I don't blame my parents. We all did the best we could do with what we had. It may not have been good enough, but it was the best we could do. Um, so I came in with this little nothing life. And 20 years later, I've got... It's pretty lovely. It's... You know, I've got community. I've got so much community, which is a shocker for someone like me. I know my neighbors... I have friends that I've had in my life for 20 years. That never happened. I, didn't, I don't know people from elementary school. But I have people that have been in my life for 20 years. I know merchants, um, hostesses around me, and not because I'm a crazy going to eat at restaurants all the time, but because like, I like people and I'm not afraid of people any longer. But I have community. I know the people that I go. I don't know. Community is really important to me. I know the people where I drop my dry cleaning off. It's just This stuff is so... I have my community here. Um, Life is lovely. It's not perfect. It's still scary. And it's the reason I did... That was life. This is crazy. The reason I did the crazy thing with food was because life is scary. It's challenging. And I didn't know how to do it. So the more I'm willing to just wake up every day and to the best of my ability work this program and to the best of my ability invite my uh, higher power into this, I just grow a little bit more. Um, I think that's it. It's my time. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.
Okay, this is time for questions only. There's no sharing at this meeting. If you need to share, please do so with any of us after the meeting. Please remember that the opinions of the leader are, are my own and not of Overeaters Anonymous as a whole. When asking questions, you need not identify yourself. Please remember, if you ask a question, your voice may, your voice may be audible on the OA podcast. Got it. Um, okay, so I just pick questions. Uh, you talked about um, having a bottom line of like not manipulating your body. So, like when you're doing your fitness stuff, how do you determine what's like God exercising you or and you enforcing your will on something? Okay. So the question was, what is my will versus God when it comes to approaching exercise? And okay. Um, uh, I have to actually tell you a little bit more about my story as if I didn't have enough time. Um, when I came into program, I was a compulsive exerciser. When I, when I first got here, it's just like a higher power reached down and lifted the willingness and ability for me to exercise. I went for two years not doing anything, not lifting a finger. I couldn't. It was just like it was ripped from me. I had to learn how to do it slowly. Um, I learned how to ask, what's a loving activity? What's moderation? Um, what's moderation for me? I come from three and four hours in the gym every day of the week. That's not moderate, according to normal people. That's Olympians might, but I was, certainly wasn't competing for anything. So it was just really asking um, what's, what's moderate, what's loving, what would be a loving activity right now. And it was a process. At first it was me. I didn't go to the gym for a while. I couldn't. It was too triggering. I had to do things I enjoyed, like I go for a hike. I love being outside. And I remember thinking, I was so grateful that my legs were strong and could get me up that hill. So exercise had a different um, purpose at that time. Um, and I just, I think through intuition um, and through practice, really just practice, I learned what moderation was for me. What works for me may not work for you, but it, now it looks like Three days consistently, I'm doing really well if it's four days. <laughs> but I couldn't compulsively exercise if I tried today. But that, that was just lifted. But again, it was just a process of learning what worked for me. Does that answer? Okay. Hi. Thank you. Uh, you describe your abstinence as a typical believer abstinence, you know, mm-hmm. keeping in what you, what you consume. Uh, have you ever felt badly about yourself for not having a Stronger, not stronger, or different abstinence? Have you ever said, I wish I could do three meals a day, or I wish I could eat none of this, or, and so how do you deal with that, mm-hmm. perhaps, self-punishment about feeling that way? So the question was, <laughs> um, uh, have, I, have I ever felt like I should m- m- have a different abstinence than I do, currently do? Yes, all the time, Espe- well, especially in the beginning. I would hear people who eliminated a lot of the normal things that people eliminate in these rooms. I so wanted that, but I come from such a diet and restrictive head that, um, again, it's just like a, a flip is switched for me. It's just a knowing. Once I had a couple of years under my belt, I knew I couldn't do that. Every time I've, tr- I've tried to eliminate things, just because it seemed like a good idea because I was envious of what someone else was able to do. 
Um, but it was a setup. Every single time it's a setup. It didn't cause me to slip you know, completely, but I just, I got, I just started going down that road, you know, again, hopping on my crazy train. Um, there was something I wanted, oh, this, this is um, something that may pertain to, to your question. Um, I had a, a health condition, uh, condition, it wasn't that serious, a health thing um, about five years ago. And I went to a doctor and did some reading and they wanted me to cut out X, Y, and Z. And again, they're very, very um, hip things to give up these days. And um, I was so scared. I'm like, I know, because I know now I can't do that. And I have um, loving acceptance around my abstinence and absolute respect for yours and, and trust that what you're doing is right for you and what I'm doing is right for me. And I remember praying, saying, God, if you want me to eliminate this stuff, to take care of this thing that's going on with me right now, please don't let my weight change. Meaning, I didn't even want to lose weight because I knew that that would be a setup for me. Just let things sort of look the same through this process. Um, and I was able to actually eliminate those things really imperfectly, but eliminate them. And it took care of the thing that was going on and everything's back in my diet again. But it's really just like loving acceptance and what you do is not, none of my business and what I do is none of yours. And it's, it's, it works. Does that answer the question? Anyone else? So I'm really interested in your quest for a higher power hmm. and without really going into outside issues, when you started to explore what happened, hmm. and then just like I want to ask two questions at one. Um, you said life is scary. It mm-hmm. is. Can you talk about maybe a specific incident that you faced your fear mm-hmm. and you came out the other side and it strengthened your connection to it? Okay. Yeah. My, I don't know about my process. And seeking a higher power, an example of fear. So my process now looks like, that's what I heard. Is that, okay. So my, my, my process looks like, um, or my seeking looks like um, prayer and meditation. The steps don't say prayer or meditation. It's prayer and meditation um, and doing outside reading. Because I've got, I've got this head and my 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 view is this wide, right? I've got everything that's in my head and there's a whole world out there of other thinkers um, and people that have spiritual experiences. So I need to expose myself to what's out there um, and try on ideas. So I do reading. I try to read something every day that's not something I've written, something spiritual. It's gotta be spiritual writing. Um, And that opens my mind. And I try on different ideas and if it feels right, I stick with it for a while. But I keep reading, I keep seeking. I've got to have exposure. Just like I have to come to meetings, I have to have exposure to a spiritual practice. And meditation, um, again, prayer and meditation is what the steps tell us to do. Um, to seek um, a connection with my higher power, to maintain a connection with my higher power. Um, I still avoid meditation. I don't know why. There's nothing, it's, it's lovely, it's quiet. It's comfortable. I'm sitting in my house. I love where I live. There's, I don't know why I avoid it, but there's something about, like, I've got other things to do. And anyway, I, but I'm, I make, you know, I, I, I work on med- meditating every day. Sometimes it's three minutes. Sometimes it's 20. Sometimes it's a guided one. Sometimes it's, um, I took an outside course on meditation. I try to do, you, you know, employ some of the practices. Um, so prayer, meditation, and reading um, helps me. 
uh, find a higher path, define it for myself to the best of my ability, maintain a connection, and use it. So fear, walking through a fear. Huh. Okay. Yeah, this is, okay, this is an example. Um, I've always wanted to sing. I'm terrified of being in front of people, obviously. <laughs> like, terrified of being in front of people. Terrified of being heard. I'm okay in a choir situation because 28 other people were around me and you don't hear me, so I can't be judged. But there was a solo part, and I was selected to do a solo in this choir a couple years ago. You'd think I was performing, like, I don't know, <laughs> like at Staples Center or something. This is just the Silver Lake Conservatory of Music, little concert in their lobby. <laughs> but you'd think, that I was so worked up about it and so afraid. and. There was some, you know, I, I tuned in with my higher power. I used some of the techniques that I learned in meditation, just like identifying, what am I feeling? You know, as an addict, I'm, I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to define my feeling. I just want to get away from this, this just this discomfort. So I'm like, okay, I'm feeling fear. Well, where am I feeling it? I'm sort of feeling it here and here. I get really nervous. Like, anyway, I just, I did it. Okay, I did it. I did not, I did not nail it at all. My husband was there. He's the real musician in the family. He heard me. He heard that I didn't nail it. He heard that I ran out of breath. Like, but it, the great thing about that experience is it didn't kill me. I'm just like, oh, okay, well, that was all right. And like, my biggest fear is falling flat on my face. You not liking me. You thinking I'm a piece of shit. Not, be, not being enough as I am. Not being enough as Marina making mistakes. So I just walked through this fear of, I sang a solo in front of I don't know how many people, maybe a hundred. It wasn't perfect. I'm fine. I'm still here. I'm right here talking to you. That helped. I go back to that. I often do go back to that. Oh, that didn't kill me. What can I do next? Like, just apply it to whatever my current situation is. Thank you for sharing. The big book is that it's not even to Huh. I can apply that. To, okay, so what does the capacity to be honest mean? To me, I can apply that to my life today. Um, I've never been someone who knew what she wanted to do with her life. Again, I had this, had this crazy disease who caused me to have a small life, and I never knew what I wanted to do. Um, I've never had a direct path. I never thought that I'm going to be a doctor, lawyer, whatever. That um, lack of direction has caused me a lot of pain in recovery. The capacity, to be honest, though, is to ask myself, why do I, do I really not know what I want to do? Or, or is there something behind it? And really, I just like asking, constantly asking myself questions. What's the truth? The truth is, I'm terrified to pursue the things that I want to pursue. Terrified. And they don't make any sense. Especially, I'm 45 years old. What am I going to start over today? You know, it's that it's that voice. And so, the capacity to be honest is to um, ask myself questions, being willing to answer them, and then maybe taking contrary action. Um, that's my honesty today. Uh, yeah, does that help? Thank you. <laughs> Hi, thanks. Um, when doing uh, step six and seven, how did you, I mean, literally, how did you come to, to figure out what the shortcomings were? Okay, so how do I, um, 
how do I determine what my shortcomings are? Well, I have a sponsor to tell me that. <laughs> um, let's see. So through the process of doing the steps, sort of big book format, um, and the way that I've done this over the years, it's changed a little bit. The beauty of being in program a long time is I've had um, many guides, um, many people helping me, sponsors, helping, taking me through the steps. Um, and each time is a little bit different. There's something new that, that someone else brings to the process. And that I get to put together the things that were most helpful to me um, and do the steps that way. Um, so the sixth and seventh, who, uh, so, gosh, how do I know? Uh, so your question was, how, how, how do I come to know what my defects are? How did I determine the list? I guess really just through big book guidance and sponsor guidance. Um, I've gone through... Where it comes to shortcomings, I've been through the steps in two different ways. I've had a sponsor who distills them down to the seven deadly sins plus fear and self, low self-esteem. And that didn't really, for me, it just, like, that doesn't make sense to me. I need to get really specific with my defects. Um, so it's really just through help, talking to someone, talking to others who have gone before us. Oh, sorry, before me. People who have gone before me as I'm turning this over, they help me look at what this what this thing is um, that's ailing me in the moment um, I can call it something but if I'm working with you you may call it something else you may say oh this sounds like blah I mean that's why we're here we work together I can't I can't work this stuff out on my own I have my sponsor or whoever I'm working with at the time help me determine what those defects are and again I've got to put it in a language that makes sense to me so that I can own it um, it's really through help, help and just sort of, and, and what the big book has to offer as far as outlining our defects. I don't know if that's helpful. Time? It's time. Oh, it is time because we have um, delegates. delegates report today. Sorry. Oh, okay. Thank you. Thank you.